podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. media has an agenda that they're going to serve. I don't know who's in charge of it or what it is, if it's like a headless monster. Why? This is a question. 
Walking backwards. Walking backwards. Yeah. Something sacred. I don't know the names of the creep songs. Those Running in circles. Just pop in and let play. Sea of glass. The flight and the fall. I love Ozzy. <laughs> I think he's the true definition of a rock star. Anybody else have any interesting stories they want to talk about? Hey, this is John Lane from the Thriving Tropics of Leechburg, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best inside rock that Pennsylvania has to offer.
Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned into the Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer, right here on parockshow.com, megarockradio.net, 107.1 FM, St. Louis, Missouri, xrpradio.co.uk in Birmingham, Birmingham, United Kingdom, um, com on the West Coast in San Diego on the nice beach there, a few hours behind us. Cross our northern border to altrockradio.ca for Mississauga, Toronto, Canada, Alt Rock Radio. Um, Buildtoscene.com, right where I'm sitting right here in my living room. That's Leechburg, Pennsylvania. I'm sure I forgot one of the stations because I do it almost every week. <laughs> my name is Bill. This is episode number 538 of the Pennsylvania Rock Show. With me tonight is Super Monkey. This going to be so hard for me to do. <laughs> What's up? How you doing today? Thanks for I'm, having me. I'm doing well. Tell Before we even get started, tell me about that guitar over your shoulder. That is my um, Super Monkey Les Paul that uh, I started with my band Super Monkey a long time ago, back in the day, probably 2002 to 2004. I'm not sure. I bought it at Hollywood Music in... Um, Pittsburgh here, and I've had it. I've played it at many of shows, and I've repaired the neck on it, actually, um, a couple times, and I just kind of retired the guitar at this point, and it still plays. It's in good shape. I mean, I just don't want to have the neck come apart anymore. If you know anything about Les Pauls, they have a tendency to snap on the neck, and I uh, want to snap anymore. It's a prized possession of mine, so I just kind of keep it in my office for because it looks cool. <laughs> uh, before we get too far into this, I do want to mention the music that the listeners have heard already. We open things up with Lou Lombardi's song, Where Have All the Acid Queens Gone? Followed that with um, the Borstal Boys, Don't Let Life Pass You By. And now we're having a conversation with Super Monkey. And um, I have a bunch of questions for him like I do each week. Um, I have a new question this week provided by um, Christina Sanavica of the band, the shadow event. We'll get to that in the second segment. Um, but the, the first thing I, that I want to know from you is tell me a bit about super monkey as a whole. It's almost like you're your own industry. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I kind of am, but I um, started as a musician, obviously in a band that we named super monkey. And I was the driving force behind that. Um, you know, band and I was this everybody just kept calling me super monkey beyond the bell. It was like one of those things like after the shows people would just start calling me that. They kind of stuck and like, you know, I'd see people in public and they'd be like, hey super monkey, what's going on? You know, just kind of like became a funny moniker in a weird way. And um so I just kind of ran with it and then I uh played with those guys and I kind of formed a band with a bunch of different friends of mine and played with them for quite a while and and I think about 2012, I uh, started my record label, and I just named it Super Monkey Recording Company. I, I honestly just did it for myself, Bill, to like start having some kind of business behind my music. And then I also um, partnered with Pat DeCesar from DeCesar Angler. And Pat was, has been a mentor to me in so many ways in life and in business, and especially in the music business and kind of taught me everything about 
you know, what I need to know, where all the money's going, to be honest with you, in the music business. And I started promoting my own shows and building my own record label and you know, recruiting other bands and trying to work with bands as a producer. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten a grant at one point to open up in a section of the city. And so I opened a vinyl shop, which um, my, once my lease was up, I kind of moved out of that section of town and then COVID hit. And so I'm I'm waiting to open back up somewhere. I, I don't want to do it until all this ridiculousness is over with. I'm not going to, on a business level, make that kind of decision until, you know, people can walk out and walk into a store, you know. So I'm just kind of hanging out and uh, making music and not playing live like a lot of people, you know. So but I hope that answers your question. It's kind of a just grown from one, one thing to another. Really, and it's uh, I try to keep the brand alive. I know a lot about branding and marketing, so I try to, um, you know, I know it can be a little bit confusing at times, you know, for people, but we'll figure it out. You figured it out, right, Bill? Yeah, I, I, I'm on top of it. So, as I was telling you off the air, we we know some, we have some friends in common um, that I caught you off off guard with. <laughs> Um, so you, you've played with a ton of Pittsburgh musicians and worked with them in various projects. Do you want to do some name dropping? Some people you've worked with? Um, well, I mean, here. And now you're going, but what if I forget them? <laughs> I know. Now someone now someone yelling at me like, wait a minute. I, I thought we worked together. I mean, I've worked with so many different people. I've been very fortunate, Bill. Um, I try to surround myself with great musicians whenever I'm doing a project like, uh, I'm back in the studio working on something I think I hope is going to be big. And uh, I got Rocky uh, from the Boris All Boys has been playing bass for me for a couple of years. So he was in the studio doing all my bass lines. And I had Matt Muckle come down. I don't know if you know Matt Muckle at all. So Matt came down and did drums, the drum tracks. And, yep. I've been working with Matt for a good four or five years on just different stuff. And, uh, I work with a lot of different drummers. I work with Matt Ferrante on a lot of things. Um, I have another guy, Ken, that's a great drummer. I, I'm actually extremely fortunate, Bill, and I don't think that I haven't thought about this or, um, you know, counted my blessings in the last year about the fact that I actually have three really great drummers that I can pick from that um, I love to work with and I have great relationships with that uh, are available. And, you know, I work with Rocky is a big player and, you know, I, um, he always seems to be available, which is awesome. And, uh, cause he loves doing it and makes time for it. So, and then I just kind of do all the, I've been doing all the guitars and vocals myself these days and maybe I'll bring in a, you know, keyboard player or somebody else here and there. I've had Danny Gonshore from the house rockers come in and do some guitar on some songs I, for me. And just like, I, I've actually had him on the show as well. Danny's awesome. He's such a great guy. He's so nice. And uh, everybody is real. All those house rockers are awesome. Joe he's an awesome dude. He's coming to my shop a few times, just hung out with me and talking to me about stuff and just like seems pretty supportive. And, you know, it's just good to have some of those people. I just like surrounding myself with good people, Bill. I, I try hard to surround myself with good people. He said Lou Lombardi. Lou has been playing with me for years. And Lou, I sometimes I do a cover show. Like I'll do a whole set of Nirvana songs. You know, if, if you're paying, I'm playing. Is that, and, super, uh, not, is that super, super Vana? Yep. And so we just play a whole set of Nirvana songs. And again, that's me and Lou play guitar. That's kind of, I, I kind of started that with Lou and started doing it. Um, he's all about playing whenever. So I, 
anytime I do a super bonus show, I, I just call Lou. He plays guitar for me and it's fun. You know, right. Lou's, time. Lou's podcast, uh, um, Ludini, Ludini rock and roll circus is my favorite podcast that I don't host. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I've known Lou for years. He's never had me on his podcast. What's up with that bill? Really? I've been on his podcast. <laughs> Amazing. What's up with that, Lou? I'm you know what kidding. happened? I asked him. <laughs> I uh, I asked him, and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so maybe you you should just ask. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chase him down. Lou knows my number. <laughs> so so if yeah, you had I've known, a, a ch- for 15 years, I think probably you know. <laughs> if you had a chance meeting with your musical idol, yes, and you, and you only had enough time to ask them one question. Yeah. What would, you, what would you ask? I would say, Prince, how do you get that tone to co- How do you get that creamy sound to come out of your guitar amp? Like, what are your, what's your effects setup that you're doing? Or how are you running all your sound to get that? It's, it's like distorted and it rocks, but it's really smooth and it sounds like, like I can only describe it as like a creamy guitar sound. Like, I'm <laughs> infatuated with what that guy's doing with his guitar and, I've seen so many clips of him just tearing it up, playing live. I firmly believe that Prince is one of the you know greatest guitar players that ever lived. He's equal to him to like an Eddie Van Halen or something like that. And I know that's probably sacrilegious to some people, but go out there and watch some video clips of Prince playing guitar. It's he's absolutely phenomenal, and um, I'll even say that he's better than Jimi Hendrix because he lived a lot longer. <laughs> you know, Jimmy was pretty innovative, but I mean Prince is just. He makes it look so easy, kind of like Eddie Van Halen, you know? So that would probably be my, my question because I've been trying to figure that one out for a while. I, I look at I'll Google, like, what, what's on his pedal board, <laughs> you know, and, like, try to zoom in the picture. I'm like, what is that? What's that pedal right there? Or, like, you know, there's a couple set, but he, you should go Google his pedal board sometimes. It's ridiculous. It's custom made, you know? And um, the other thing, too, a lot of people know, just a fun fact for you, Bill, is, like, you know, Prince had all, all those custom guitars built for him. And the guy that built his guitars never met Prince. He's, he built Prince guitars wow. for 20 or 30 years. And he would talk to him on the phone. He would, you know, video chat with him and stuff and like, um, you know, get his conversation and input about the guitars. And he always loved everything he did. But the, the luthier that actually built those guitars for him, I think he's in Seattle. I forget the guy's name, but he actually never met Prince, which is amazing to me. You know, that is amazing. How do you build that guy, you know, 50 guitars or whatever ridiculous number it is. And, and you're talking about 20 and 30 and 40, hundred thousand dollar guitars. I mean, these are, and that's, that was how much they cost before Prince played them, you know, like I wonder what, what they were. They're probably worth a million a piece now, but um, just a uh, fun tangent there for you, for your listeners. So we're, we're going to get to know you a little better with, with some of my questions that, you know, aren't really what you normally have in a, in a radio interview but it's cool are we are we gonna do uh f mary kill no (laughs) (laughs) good good. all right cool we'll keep it pg so i I have to give you a little bit of a scenario first all right so so super monkey makes it big and you're out on tour and and i'm tagging along with you and in between shows what's the soundtrack that we're going to listen to so what 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 kind of music is going to be on in that bus or that that plane I mean, it depends on who's sitting close to the radio. <laughs> you know? and, uh, so I would have to say, I mean, geez, who's in the bus with us? 
You know, uh, <laughs> these are all questions that I can't just answer a loaded question like that. Bill. Um, well, you're, it's the day you're in charge of the radio. What okay, so I'm in charge of the radio. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some Def Leppard played for sure. I love Def Leppard. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Is I listen to a lot of stuff. It really just depends on, you know, what, I, what kind of mood I'm in. Like, I I had this Bob Marley album called uh, Positive Vibrations. It was in my, like, when I was selling vinyl at my store, it was on my store forever. Nobody ever bought it. And, like, um, just probably a year ago, I just ran and I was like, I'm going to open this one up because, I mean, I already paid for it, right? <laughs> That's the worst part, by the way, of owning a record shop is uh, being a vinyl collector and ordering and just having all these records. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to listen to that thing and just take one for the team and pull it off the wall. <laughs> so I, I had pretty good um, self-discipline uh, doing that kind of stuff. So I uh, – Anyways, I pulled this Bob Marley off the rack and I listened to it. And I just like, I couldn't believe how awesome of an album it was. I'd never heard it before. And so like, I, that's been on my turntable a lot lately. I just like the message he's putting out about being positive and um, it's just really upbeat record, you know? And so I, I'll listen to that and then I'll go and put on Temple of the Dog, you know, and then I'll put on, um, you know, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it just depends what kind of mood I'm in, man. It, it, could, it could vary. Prince is my favorite artist, so, you know, you might have to look for Purple Rain. <laughs> I want you to take an album that you absolutely love and imagine that you have to forget it so you can hear it again for the very first time and have that, you know, that awesome feeling again. Okay. So which album would you want to hear again for the very first time? It's weird that you're asking these questions. Like Alice in Chains Dirt popped in my head for some reason. Like, so you ask that I don't know why. That's just <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head. But like when that album kicks in with uh, them bones, I mean, like it's like the Memorex commercial. You're like back in the chair, you know? <laughs> and uh, first time I heard that, I was like, oh my God. And like, this is some rocking stuff. You know, and so I don't know. I love that album. Uh, I don't know why that's the first album I thought of. It's weird. So, so usually when I when I have this conversation, I talk about um, Kiss Destroyer, which um, I heard the first time from my uncles, who are a little bit older than me, not a mm-hmm. lot. But this time, what popped into my head was Nevermind by Nirvana. I was sitting on my mo- my parents' front porch. I was probably twelve. And the mm-hmm. next door neighbor's grandson brought it over and popped it in. And, and we we're like, there's no way we should be listening to this. <laughs> I would listen to that one again for the first time. I remember when that came out, I was, a, I had just become, I just went to college. And so it was my freshman week of college. Like that first week of school, it just came out. Like I think that week and it was just like slow. Or it might even have been a couple weeks into school. And um, it was just, I remember that, you know, the song teen spirit coming out and every, just like, dude, this song is amazing. And then everybody was buying the record and everybody was playing every song on the record. And it was just like one of those records. Everybody was playing it all the time. It was constantly everywhere. And it was so raw, you know, I mean, it was polished, but it was raw compared to like all that hair metal we've been getting bombarded with for a decade, you know? (laughs) So what what I need from you now is um, we're going to play, we're going to play two songs here in the break. We're going to play Silk Nine, I Won't Carry You. But before that, we're going to play your song, Forgive Me When I'm Gone. And this is your, your MTV slash VH1 moment. 
Tell me about that song. <laughs> um, it's pretty simple, man. Smartell died, and uh, I was pretty bummed that day, as most people were when they got. I, I mean, you get up in the morning, you check your Facebook, and there's this R.I.P. Chris Cornell everywhere. I got goosebumps now just talking about it. You know, I'm like, I love that guy, man. That guy's boy. I never met him. I don't know him. You know, and uh, I just love his voice. I love Soundgarden. There was something just special about him. And like when you see that, you're like, oh my god, what happened? And then like you find out the horrific news. And I'm just like, I was devastated all day. I mean, it's like that's one of those people that like made it through. You know what I mean? Like all those people had passed away, like you know, Cobain and Lane Staley from that grunge movement. And like mm-hmm. that's when I really got into playing guitars during a lot of that the, the grunge era, you know, for a lot of that stuff. So I um was pretty bummed out, like a lot of people. And I got home from work that day and you know, I think I put the kids to bed and I just went to sit on the back porch. I started playing that riff for about over and over, just the beginning melody. It just kind of stuck in my head. And um, I started thinking to myself, if Chris Cornell could write one more song, what would he say right now? And I just um, started writing some lyrics and I, uh, it wasn't really that hard. It came to me in like five minutes. And then the fun part about it was that, you know, about a year later I went in the studio and I was doing the produced copy of it that you're going to play here. And, um, like I had practiced, but I like, it never happens. I actually went in there and did all my guitar solos on the first take. And it was really, you know, sounds cheesy, but it felt like I was, like I had, uh, some, some help on that, you know, from, from beyond, it was just weird. And then like, I remember as I was doing like the main solo, you know, I started with that one in the middle of the song in the studio. I tracked that solo uh, down at tonic studios. I do all my work there with those guys. And, um, then I go back and I do all the other flavors and stuff, you know? And so like, I, I literally did it on the first take. And I remember the, uh, engineer Bobby was working with the time. He like, <laughs> He just kind of turned around and looked at me and because we had just started. And uh, I was like, that was a good take, right? I was like, that was, I was like, I don't think I could play that any better than I just did. I was like, let's listen to it. And then like, it was done. It was, that's never happened before in my life. I don't think it'll probably ever happen again. I'm usually in there all day until I get frustrated. And then I walk away and I come back the next day, listen to what I did. And then I just go and do it in a couple takes or, or I'll get it right away. And usually takes me maybe. 10 or 15 takes or get it perfect or something, but it's never on the first take bill ever, <laughs> you know? So that was kind of fun. That's I just, when I listen to that, I think about that when I hear that on the, so I, just, I, mean, I can't believe I, and I know nobody else probably cares about that except me. And maybe like <laughs> one guy that plays guitar. It's like, Oh, that doesn't happen very often. You know, like, but still it's just one of those things that every time I hear that recording, it's like, man, I can't believe I did that one take. It's like, I wish it was always that easy. Like we were so in and out of that studio that day. I think we were there for two hours total. Yeah. All right, so, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and take a listen to Forgive Me When I'm Going by Super Monkey. And we're going to follow that up with Silk Nine. I won't carry you. So I pick it up for myself. Take 
That was Silk Nine. I won't carry you. Right before that, you heard Forgive Me When I'm Gone by Super Monkey, who's hanging out with me tonight. There's uh, Les Paul on the wall behind him. So what we're going to do is I have a couple more questions for you. Um, and then I will let you <laughs> uh, have the rest of your evening off because that working the. I'm one, not off. One I got a phone call after this with Tom. I'm Kazarazi. So can you tell can you can you tell me about the moment that you realized you wanted to be a musician? I can actually. I do remember this, and I always loved to play guitar when I was in college and stuff. And I worked at this restaurant in uh, Kent State, a place called Rockney's Pub. And um, again, this probably sounds cheesy, and I, I'm going to make Jeff listen to this. But I worked with this guy named Jeff Finn. He was in this band called Dink, and they were on. Um, there was the local Kent band. And they started packing the houses and then they started getting some airplay with one of their songs in Cleveland. And then I saw them go from being the guy that I washed dishes with and cut fries with, you know, and worked in the kitchen. I saw this guy go literally be a bass player. Uh, I think he was around 40 at that time. And so he was a little older, too. It might have been in late 30s. And um, just getting his first break in life, you know, and I was 21 or 22 i was like wow this guy's just getting his first break and he literally went from um washing dishes for me to uh, being on beavis and butthead like almost overnight within wow. like within a month or two and beavis and butthead loved their video and so they got a lot of press from that and stuff it was like well, and they they played the whole video too i was like that's pretty rare for beavis and butthead at the time i mean like that's literally like think about how ridiculous that is by the way a, a cartoon that just makes fun of people and other things like giving you a stamp of approval or at the same time can break your band. Right. Yeah. And, winger. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and poor winger <laughs> Red Beach is still pissed about that at some level, you know, and like, and then <laughs> those guys were making money and stuff. And like, it's almost a mean thing to do. I mean, that's, they kind of, in a, a jerkish way, kind of <laughs> those guys' career. Um, and thank God they can go out there and work again these days, you know, make money. But like, uh, it was not cool you know, to like them for a while. They were kind of like the joke and that's, that's, yep. that was no fun, you know, but then on the flip side, you know, you get Beavis invited to love your stuff. You're, you're like, you're getting the blessing, you know? And so I watched this guy go out there and I remember, um, you know, I, I remember I was on a date with a girl named this girl, Amy, and we were at this bar and I hadn't seen Jeff in about six months or so. And he just got back from tour and he had all these Polaroids in his pocket him in pictures with like him and Gene Simmons and stuff. And like, I was on, I couldn't wait to go on a date with this girl, by the way. Like I finally got the you know nerve to ask her out and stuff, Bill. And like, she said, yes. And so I take her out, we go out and have drinks. And then my friend shows up. I haven't seen mix. I haven't seen it in six months. I completely forget. I'm on the date with this girl. We're sitting at a booth and I'm like this with Jeff, like trying to absorb all this. Everything. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to do this in my life. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, he's like, I'm 40 years old. He's like, I'm just now getting my breaks in life. He's like, if you want to go do it, go do it. And I honestly, pretty much from that point on, I've been doing it. And, uh, you know, it took me uh, a long time to get where I am, where I have the relationships and the things that I can do today. Um, and I'm fortunate, you know, and hopefully it'll keep growing as I get older and you know, bigger and more successful, hopefully. And um, but I do remember that. I mean, like I remember like it was yesterday. I was just thinking back. I was like, this guy can do it. I can do it. No offense, Jeff. I still love you. And, uh, and so, but like, um, it's just one of those things where I just like, it was weird. Cause I knew him, you know what I mean? And then like mm -hmm. to see him on TV 
and like have Beavis and Butthead Love Your Stuff. That was pretty big back in the 90s, you know. So pretty big. They got, what, I think they did some tours. They got to open for Lords of Acid, I think was one of the big opening acts they got with those guys and played festivals and did the whole thing, you know. And so um, that was influential for me because it made it look achievable to me. That's I that that made me think of the movie Promised Land with Slant Sticks. I watched that movie just because Slant Sticks was in it. Um, which I've was never seen it. You haven't? No. Um, that's a, that's another one of Matt's bands. I was gonna say it's one of Matt's dozen bands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should just have Matt on here and have him talk for everybody. Well, listen. Um, you and you and Matt show. The, the history of the show really is dependent on him. Um, when I first started it. I had like three bands that, that I did, was designing websites for, and that was the music I had. And okay. um, the show was a complete accident. And I'm not going to explain it all on the air because I've done it multiple times. But um, Matt showed up with a bag full of, of discs, and he's like, "Here, play this music." And and that's how I that's how I started the show. That's where all the original music came from. It was a awesome. there was a bag of, of CDs that Matt had of local music. He's like, "Make this happen." <laughs> I got a, I so, got a box of CDs that some people just given me over the last, you know, since 2012, since I started my label, I, I listened to them, you know, and, um, I'm just, I'm pretty picky about who I work with in general. I am. Um, this, this, this show started in 2004. So I have also heard a lot of CDs. <laughs> I bet uh, you probably have more than I do. Um, so this is Christina's question that I alluded to earlier. Um, All right. Those of you that are just tuning in, Christina's the um, vocalist for the band, the shadow event. Um, this is the second question that she's given me that, that I've used on the show. Okay. Um, I know Christina, by the way. Oh, okay. Her question is who are your favorite bassist, guitarist, singer, and drummer? Okay. So bassist, I got to say Rocky because he's always there when I need him and uh, he comes up with cool stuff to play, you know, that makes um, my music better. And so that's the first person I think of um, my favorite drummer. I mean, I got, I got three guys I work with that are all great um, on a professional level. I mean, Alex Van Halen's fun to watch. He's always great. On, uh, not that we're not professionals. I shouldn't have said that. I should have <laughs> stayed on a, like a major label level. There you um, go. I would say <laughs> Alex Live was great. Oh, you know who I love, man, is um this guy. I don't know his name. He plays for. Uh, I saw him. He was fantastic. And I should look up his name. He plays for um Gary Gary Clark Jr. And this guy just looks like he's just doing this the whole time. And he is, he's amazing. He's just a ball of energy. And uh, he has like, I think uh, like one really giant bass drum and like a snare, a tom and like two cymbals. I mean, the guy has no drums behind him and he's just making a wall of sound with his drums. I saw him at the um, house of blues in Cleveland. Uh, one time I was actually um, fortunate to get like right, right in the front row when he was just starting to get big, he had sold the place out. And, um, I got a funny story actually, if you want to hear it. And, uh, he's one of my favorite guitar players too, Gary Clark Jr. And, uh, so, um, we can say that for another show though. So favorite, yeah, favorite, um, guitar player. I mean, like, geez, that's, you're asking a guitar player what his favorite guitar player is. 
uh, I would have to say Prince and Eddie Van Halen. But then, like, I love the simplicity of, you know, Kurt Cobain's riffs, you know, and they're so simple and easy. But then I also love Alice in Chains. I love Jerry Cantrell. I love Jerry Cantrell. He's one of my favorites. Um, Mike McCready is fantastic. You know, I could sit here and keep going. I don't have a favorite one. I don't think it just uh, depends on what my mood is that day. And so the favorite singer, again, I mean, there's just certain lead singers in the history of rock and roll that are beyond entertaining to me. David Lee Roth is one of them. I don't think the singer, you know, I think he's the best entertainer. Front man. Because he's like <laughs> front man. Like, you don't know what's going to yeah. come out of his mouth. And like all those, you know, even in today, like I saw him a couple of years ago with Van Halen. And dude's in shape, man. He was ripped and like just doing like all kinds of karate moves on stage and stuff. And it was fun to watch. You know, you're just like, wow, dude, he's going to be sore tomorrow. He's like 60 years old, you know. And uh, <laughs> so he's running around doing it. So he's awesome to watch. And um, at the same time, though, it's like, you I love Sammy Hagar with Van Halen, man. And I love Sammy Hagar by himself. I think he's a fantastic singer and a fantastic frontman. But I think at the end of the day, it goes to Prince because he could do it all. He could play drums. He could play guitar. He could sing. He could play keyboard. And he was stellar at every single one of them, you know? So except I think horns. I don't think he could play horns. So these are loaded questions, Bill, by the way. I mean, how do you answer that? <laughs> That's too hard, man. What's my favorite? <laughs> I'm looking at the next question as you say that. What is one thing that f- your fans or friends would be surprised to know about you that they don't currently know? Um, <laughs> I was going to say this was the easiest question of the night, but then I you you laid that on about the questions like you know, it's yeah, funny. maybe not. <laughs> it's pretty funny you asked it though, because I'm a pretty private guy in real life. Like I, I. You know, I'm, I might be out in the bar and be very social with people and stuff. But then, like, when I'm home, I'm, I'm pretty private. I got two kids that I uh, have custody of that I take care of. And so those are always my priority every day. And uh, everything kind of revolves around them. And um, I don't know. I think I'm a good dad. That's probably one thing that people don't realize is that I, I take pride in that. And I, like, I absolutely love doing it. Something I just... It brings joy to me every day that you can't put a price tag on and you can't uh, can't buy it. Okay, uh, last question for you. All um, right. And well, it's kind of a two-parter, but <laughs> okay. um, what what is next for Super Monkey, and where can Super okay. Monkey be found online? Well, you can check us out at ilovesupermonkey.com. Super That's easy. Right. I love supermonkey.com. That's right. It's right over there. Wait. I have to go this way. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's on my side. Oh, here, Bill. I realized yeah. the other day, I, I realized that I could never point at it when I had it on your side. You should do the Brady Bunch thing where we look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um, so what's next? I am currently in the studio with uh, Dave Hillis, who's a producer that um, actually just moved here uh, a few, I think a little year or two ago. And he moved from Seattle. And Dave's got a lot of credits under his belt. Uh, he actually was the chief engineer for Pearl GM 10. And um, when he first started working at the, the main studio out there that he, he met all these bands, he, um, you know, he did work on the single soundtrack. They did the song wood 
you know, Alice in Chains. That's the one you hear on the radio. Dave helped record that. So he's pretty, uh, pretty good engineer. So I just, I've been working with, you know, my friends, Doug at Casper at uh, Tonic. I'm partners down at Tonic Studios. And so I've been working down there with those guys. I just, I want to do something different. And I, I've been working with Doug for 10 or 15 years and he's great. He's awesome. He's one of the best in the city. Um, and Dave made some of my favorite albums. So I want to kind of combine those two things and work with Dave down at that studio. And, um, Doug's kind of helping get situated in there and help him work on my stuff. So we tracked bass and drums last week for a couple new songs that I'm super excited about. I think there's some really good stuff. And I worked with other, you know, working with Dave was the first time I actually worked with a producer. I produced all my own music with um, Doug's help at the studio. Occasionally I'll take some input from Rocky and, um, you know, my drummer, Matt, or Matt Muckle, Matt, either one of them, or um, even Ken, I'll take some input from them. If they have an idea that's great, we use it. You know, I don't, I don't I'm not a maniac like that or anything. So I've been producing all my own stuff. So this is the first time I actually gave the reins to somebody else and said, here's my songs. What do you think we should do? And um, cause I'm really trusted. Dave can do something awesome with these. And he actually has already like, just he's come up, he's pushed me to come up with ideas that I didn't think of that. I thought the song was done, but it wasn't. And we took it in a whole new place. Now it's even better. And so I'm, ex- I'm really excited about that. So we, in the studio, we tracked bass and drums last week. We're gonna get the guitars done, you know, as soon as we can get in there and get done. It's everybody's schedules and the studio being booked a lot makes it not easy for me to get in there on time. But um, so we're working on that, and that's gonna be um, definitely my best stuff yet, I think. And then I'm working on a live stream concert as we speak, um, trying to nail down the venue and figure out where the best place is to hold the live stream. We are going to sell some physical tickets and uh, we are going to have some seating and some in-person, uh, you know, socially distanced, whatever we're allowed to do. And then um, uh, we're put on a web, put a live stream out there for I think 10 bucks or something. So if people, I mean, I have, I have friends in other cities are always asking me when I'm going to come play there, or, you know, or when are we coming back to this market and, you know, when can I see you live? That's, I hear that one all the time. And I, you know, we always t- say to people, I personally don't play more than a couple shows in Pittsburgh a year, period. I'm just not going to do it. I want to pack the house and get a good crowd every time I play. And I'm not going to do it unless I know that, you know, when you play over and over and over and over and over again, you know, people aren't going to come to your show. They just like, they know you're going to play next week. So um, there has to be a little bit of a fear of loss. And like, I, you know, I really don't know when the next time I'm going to play live is because I don't know. And then I, you know, I'd say that to people all the time. And, um, you know, some people come to shows and they're like, oh, I'm going to catch you next. I'm like, okay, well, my last show was March uh, 7th or something like that. We opened for Rad at Jurgles. And guess what? That was the last show I played, Bill, was in March, you know? So, and it wasn't anything to do with me. I have other shows booked, but they all got canceled, you know? And so, like, you got to really um, take advantage of the opportunities about there. And if you see a band that you want to see, go see them. Cause you don't know when they're going to play live next and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I never take tomorrow for granted and I, um, yeah, I'm just thankful for opportunities that I have in life. So, uh, we're working on, like I said, we're going to do a combination of, um, live show and live stream. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. You have to let me know when you have the details figured out and I'll do some, I will Absolutely. throw it up on, on the website and Facebook and all the social Appreciate media. That. Yeah. We're definitely going to do it. And, 
maybe we can do something. You guys can broadcast live from there or something. Who knows? You know, and it's possible. Do some kind of brainstorming. I'm always I'm an idea guy. I think outside the box here's, all the time. So, but uh, here here's one of those little known things about me because I don't really tell it all all that often. I'm actually um, the vice president of First Angel Media as well. So. We, okay. we probably get you some photographers down there and some writers and things too. So to get you a little more um, publicity ahead of time and afterwards as well. I think you might've just froze on me. <laughs> you definitely froze on me. Okay. Well, um, I guess that is going to end the episode. That's uh, episode number 358, 538. Wow. A little dyslexia. 538 of the Pennsylvania Rock Show, uh, featuring the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. With me tonight was Super Monkey. Um, we're going to play some more music for you as we head out into the night. You'll know we're done when you hear John Lane from the Hellfire Club give our outro. Make sure you check us out each and every Friday. Um, the shows go live at 6 a.m. on buildthescene.com. And then uh, they start airing on the streaming radio stations at 8 p.m. Also on buildthescene.com. And they go through the various streaming sites um, and the FM station in St. Louis, Missouri, 107.1 FM, um, buildthescene.com, megarockradio.net, rudurradio.com, altrockradio.ca, and xrpradio.co.uk in Birmingham. My name is Bill, and I will catch you next week.
This episode of the Pennsylvania Rock Show has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more of the best on-sign rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.